I just pray. Thank you, Father, for Sam's heart and the work she's put in to bring this to you. Uh, I pray that we will have ears to hear. I pray that um, you will help her to know that she's speaking your word, to know that she's revealing you to us, and help her to bring something of who you are to all of us today and help us to be radically open to what it is that you're saying. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Surprise. <laughs> okay, well, um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Sam, um, and I am Lyndon's wife, um, Annabelle and Lily's mum. I think when you have kids and a family, you suddenly you forget your actual name, don't you, and you just introduce yourself as Annabelle's mum. So um, that's me. Um, and... Um, I'm really grateful to be having the opportunity to speak and share with you today. Um, and this morning has been amazing so far already, hasn't it? And the Holy Spirit is definitely at work. He's weaving something together here. Because what I have to share with you is basically the... Just let's think some more about everything that God has already been doing right here and now. So um, just ha have your heart open. I know that the Holy Spirit has given us this word to share um, because it's, that is, this is what he's doing today. Um, okay, so we've been looking at a series on um, New Testament heroes. Okay, so that is the kind of the remit for today, New Testament heroes. So um, I sit down and think who's my hero in the New Testament. And um, the first person that comes to mind is Jesus. He's the ultimate hero of the New Testament, right? He's the, the main character of the story. Everything revolves around him, um, and, and he is the hero. However, unfortunately, there's rather a lot of material on Jesus. So it's somewhat overwhelming when it comes to thinking about planning a 30-minute preach. Okay, so apologies to Ian Wuffett, who I know has been holding out for someone to speak about Jesus. <laughs> um, we had this conversation. Um, but when I look at Jesus, and I look at the life that he lived, and I read the Gospels, and I see all the interactions that he has with really ordinary people, um, I see lots of hidden heroes in the Gospels. And it's one of those hidden heroes that I want to talk about today. Um, and I want to introduce you to a guy who is known quite simply as the centurion. Okay? The centurion. So we're talking, if you don't know much about um, the Old Testament time scale, a, a Roman officer who was... Um, uh, was working for the Romans and serving in, in Jesus' country in Palestine at the time. So he's kind of someone who's there enforcing the law on behalf of another nation within that country. Okay, and the reason that I've picked him as a, as a hero is because there's an interaction with him. Um, and in Luke 7, is, which is where I'm going to read from, he never actually even meets Jesus, just kind of sends messages and stuff to him. But somehow in this interaction, Jesus' response to this guy is, wow. He stops in his tracks, it says, and it says, Jesus was amazed at him. Who would like to be the person that Jesus goes, wow, I am amazed at you. <laughs> I'm like, this guy, this guy's got it going down. And then he stops and he says to the whole crowd, this guy is amazing and this is why. So we're going to have a look at that and let's start by reading the little chunk um, where we find um, all about the centurion. So we're looking in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 9, and I'll read it from the screen. 
When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum, Capernaum, Lyndon told me it is very, Capernaum, yeah, mine gone blank. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves you to do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me as well. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd love to have a servant. <laughs> when Jesus heard, a robotic one, obviously, because. <laughs> um, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Okay, great. So what is it about the centurion and the way that he comes to Jesus that makes Jesus stop in his tracks and say, wow, and be amazed at him? Okay. When the centurion comes to Jesus, he comes with two attitudes Two really, really key important attitudes that work together in conjunction. And they seem almost like opposites, but they work together in harmony to create this perfect way to approach our God. So firstly, he comes in complete humility. And that's something that we've been praying about this morning, that we come humbly before God. So he comes in complete humility. Now what's interesting is that Everybody else around him looks at the centurion and says, this guy is worthy. They come and they say, please come and heal him because this guy's really cool. He built the synagogue and he deserves you to do what he asks. But the centurion, even despite everybody else thinking that about him, and even though he's a super impressive dude and he's really high up in the Roman army, he knows he recognizes the power and the holiness of Jesus and he knows he's not worthy. And so he comes with complete humility. I am not worthy to receive you into my house. I am not worthy. I'm not even worthy to come to you. I'm like, just not worthy. He recognizes that, that power and the holiness of Jesus. The, however, he doesn't stop there. That's not the only attitude he has. Because if he just only had that attitude, he probably would have stayed at home. Okay? He also has total confidence in who God is. So in recognizing Jesus' power and his holiness, he has utter confidence that Jesus can do anything. And that's why he says, I know what authority looks like. I see you have it. All you need to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. Can you see how these two attitudes work together? If you just have 
total, complete humility, how could you even contemplate coming before God? But if you just have utter confidence, you might just come boldly marching up demanding things. You know, you see how we've got to have this this combination, this balance of these two things. And really, this is the gospel in a nutshell, which is why Jesus was so impressed. We recognize that we are completely unworthy to come to God. Nothing that we can do or nothing that we haven't done, nothing makes us worthy to come to God. It's not about us. It's about him and about who he is and what he's done for us. And because of what he has done for us, we can have utter confidence, complete and total confidence, and come running into our Father's arms and throw ourselves on his mercy and know that he will receive us because we have that utter confidence. And that is why Jesus was so impressed because somehow the centurion, who'd never even met him before, he just, he got it. He knew this. Now, I feel like this is one of those truths that we think we know, okay? We've heard it quite a lot of times, haven't we, in church? You know, that we're saved by grace. It's because of what God did for us, and it's not because we're worthy, etc. And And we know it, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I really know this. But I feel like also sometimes it's one of those things that we know really well in our heads. <laughs> but... What that actually looks like in terms of how we actually feel it and how we conduct our relationship with God and how we live out our faith, sometimes we kind of lose sight of it. So I want to give you a little bit of an example to help you kind of understand what I'm saying here. So bear with me. Um, A couple of months ago, um, it was my sister's 40th birthday. Um, So we were trying to think of something different and exciting to do so we did we me and my mum and my sister my stepsister and my sister um decided we would go on a surprise trip to go ape at temple newsom has anybody done go ape does anybody know what it is yeah few hands raised okay so go ape for those who don't know is like a treetop adventure so you get to go climbing super duper high in the trees you're all tied on in a harness you clamber around and do adventurous things now the very last activity on, at Temple Newsom on Go Ape is called the plummet. Okay? So basically, it's a platform high up in the trees, and you come to the edge with your harness clipped on, and you step off. <laughs> and you kind of fall for a bit, and then it sort of catches you and kind of lowers you down. Okay? So, so this is the plummet. Now, I'm going to show you a little video just, just for fun. Um, a clip. This is a clip of my mum doing it. So some of you know my mum, Rob and Jane, um, and uh, John and Lizzie know my mum, Agnes Illingworth, as some of you might know her. Um, and I, I did get permission before I showed the clip. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a clip of me, but it's just not as good. So my mum's going to, she said I could, she was a bit, bit worried, and I, I promised her it makes you look really hardcore. So she was like, okay, go on then. (laughs) So we'll do it. It's only like a 15-second clip, and then we'll just watch that now. So you can know what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
So when I promised her it was going to make her look hardcore, I didn't mention that I was going to let you all in on a little secret. She stood on the platform for significantly longer <laughs> than you see in the video. My stepsister had to cut it short because it was taking up too much memory on her phone. <laughs> so she kind of stood on the platform for a really, really long time. So, um, and, and I think we did several countdowns, but that was the one that, <laughs> that she went with. Um, but the reason I'm kind of showing this is because I just feel like it illustrates this example so perfectly. So the thing about stepping off this platform is you need two things. <laughs> you need very much an awareness of the danger, okay? If you step off that platform without a harness, you will die. <laughs> you will. It's a very, very long way down, okay? So you need... You need to know about that to make sure that you're doing everything properly and you're clipping in your harness and you're making sure that you're not being careless and silly, right? But you also need to have utter and complete and total confidence in the harness system, okay? Because if you didn't have utter and total and complete confidence in the harness system, there is no way that you would step off that platform, okay? The other thing that I really love about this example is when you've been all around the treetop adventure and you get to this one and you've kind of been building up to it and whatever and they send you off, it's up this way, so you go up the stairs and then you hit a queue. And there's about like 20 people all queuing up and waiting to go on, on the plummet. And where you are, you can all see from a great distance the people standing at the top of the platform. So you're all chitting and chatting amongst yourselves and there's somebody there and they're there for like 15 minutes and you're like, do they not realize that there's a queue? <laughs> and you're like, come on, do it, do it, do it. Okay, so that's what you cue, you cue, you watch, you watch everyone else, you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, come on, guys. And then it's your turn. <laughs> and you get to the edge of the platform, and suddenly, all that knowledge you have in your head about how safe the harness is, yeah. <laughs> It's still flipping scary, <laughs> right? Because you feel, you feel it now. There's a difference, isn't there, sometimes, between knowing something in your head and really feeling it and really understanding it and having it affect the way that you deal with the situation. So if our centurion was to do the treetop adventure at Temple Newsom, he would do this. Because he, despite knowing how dangerous it was, he had utter and complete total confidence in the harness. And he just stepped straight off. And it affected the way that he lived his life. And the, sometimes we know these gospel truths, they're the foundations of what we live our faith on. But sometimes we forget to let them inform and impact the way that we live out our faith. And so what would that, what's that look like in terms of this, this example? So if you are aware of your unworthiness but a little bit uncertain in terms of your confidence in God, then you might find it quite hard to come to God to surrender yourself in the very first instance, to go, you know what, 
I don't necessarily fit in with this group of people and I don't feel like I'm as good as all these people here at church and I don't feel like I belong and I'm not sure if God will accept me because I'm so unworthy. But God says, put your confidence in me and come to me because you can have ultra, complete, total confidence in who I am. But similarly, there's other things that happen as we go on our lives, isn't there? And I know for me personally, when I was, you know, young in the faith, it took me a while to build up that confidence. So I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I've got this. God's on my side. I'm unworthy. I've said the prayer. I'm forgiven. God's on my side. And then I'd be like, yes, I'm going to read my Bible every day and I'm going to pray and I'm going to go to church and I'm never going to, you know, I was young, I'm not going to swear at school and I'm going to, you know. Um, And then, turns out, wasn't very good at being perfect, <laughs> kept on stuffing up. And then I'd be like, oh no, oh God, I'm so sorry. Because I didn't really have that confidence. And every time I came to prayer, I had to start all over again because I didn't fully trust and I didn't feel safe in God's love because I didn't know who he was and I hadn't built up that confidence. And so it was always like this really big deal. Oh, no, I need this from God, but can't ask for it. Because first of all, I'm going to have to come and do the whole, like, repentance thing again. And, and like, really pray, and I'm really sorry, and I'm going to do better this time. And then, like, I would make these promises. Like, that was going to be the thing that would get God back on side. This time, I'll keep praying every day. And this time, I'll make sure I go to church every week. And, you know, like... And, and we live our, our Christian life sometimes in fear because we want to get it right so badly. And we think that, that God cares about whether we get it right or not. And actually, it's not about us. We're not worthy no matter what. It's about God and his grace and what he's done and what he's accomplished for us. And so we can come to God every day in utter confidence Um, Yeah, he knows about the things we've done wrong, and yeah, we bring them to him, and yeah, we apologize for them, and we ask God to help us, and we grow in those things, absolutely. But we don't need to fear that there's any walls or forms or anything coming between us and God, because we can have our confidence in who he is and what he has done for us. And you know, when we think that it's about what we do, We start to strive, don't we, in our faith? And it becomes this real burden and this real effort. And we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that because we want to somehow prove to God um, that we're worthy. But God doesn't want us to live like that. On the go ape theme, it occurred to me, um, imagine if you're going down a zip wire and you're all tied in and you're all strapped in and you're like, yep, I've got my confidence but you haven't got quite enough confidence to let go of the zip wire. So you go down like this. Hand over hand the whole way down. You'll get there. You won't have had as much fun as the person who went, woohoo, <laughs> and just went for it. You know, like, if we want to be, um, if we want to, like, just live in all that Jesus has done for us and accomplished, we have to surrender ourselves with, like, utter confidence that God is for us and God is in us and God loves us. So keeping on with that analogy, how do we, how do, we do that? Because 
we've come today and we're like, yes, I'm really feeling it today because we've prayed and we've surrendered ourselves to God and we're really feeling it. But as the days and the weeks go on, we kind of slip into these habits of, um, of like, you know, like crumbling a little bit and feeling less confident. Um, but basically, you just have to keep doing it. It's really simple. If you think about the guy who stands at the top of the plummet and clips everybody in, how do you think he gets down at the end of the day? <laughs> he might do, but I reckon he has a go. <laughs> clips himself in and steps off. Do you think he has a like, oh, moment every day at the end of his shift? Nah, does he ache? He's used to it. He does it all the time. So the more that we come to God and the more that we put, keep this in front of us daily, the more it becomes embedded in us and ingrained in us and we feel it and we trust it and we know it. And I forgot to mention the danger of thinking that somehow if you are worthy and you do enough, that that's what's... That's, what's going on with your relationship with God. That's what your relationship is built on. Because of another personal example, you know, the joys of standing up here, you have to kind of put yourself to shame, don't you? So I think after many years of being faithful to God and coming and praying, obviously not getting it perfect, but being faithful, you kind of build up this expectancy that God, you know, you start to build up this expectancy that God is for you. <laughs> And then you get this kind of sense of entitlement and you forget to come to God with adequate um, like adoration and, and humility. And then when God doesn't show up the way that you think he ought to have done, <laughs> then what happens? You feel like abandoned and let down and annoyed and, and that's when people start turning away from God as well. Because they're hurt, because God didn't do what they thought he was going to do. But we're not in charge of this relationship. <laughs> All we can do is come with humility and confidence in who he is and surrender ourselves to him. So thinking about this idea of wanting to keep it before us and have it really embedded in who we are so that it informs the way that we actually go about living out our faith. Um, I've been praying, obviously, about this throughout the week. And one, um, one morning as I was praying, um, I was out for a walk um, with the dog. That happens in my house, 6 o'clock every morning, if anyone wants to join me. Um, and um, I go for a walk with the dog, and I was, having a, I was praying to God about it. And I was like praying about putting this, this concept, this idea of complete humility and total confidence in God into my heart. And um, the Holy Spirit, I kind of just prayed something out of my mouth um, and I realized that it was um, a section from the Catholic Mass. Now I was brought up as a Catholic and I went to a Catholic school till I was about 11 and so we went to mass all the time so I was you, you have the liturgy at mass which is the things that you say every week um, and those things were kind of ingrained within me such that if I go to a Catholic mass now and I'm nearly I'm 38 now um, I I can still actually say all the responses at the right time and I don't know what they are coming up but as soon as the people start to say them they just kind of spill out <laughs> 
So as I was praying, I prayed this section from the Mass because it just fitted. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. And I thought to myself, that sounds really familiar <laughs> with this verse and the section of thing that I've been studying. And as a child, I hadn't recognized where it had come from. Um, and I went home and I looked it up. So this is a response that the congregation give when the priest is preparing the bread and wine for the Holy Communion. And the priest raises the bread and he says something and the whole crowd respond, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. This is taken directly from the words of the centurion. And I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to have a little look at a quote. This is from the Catholic Exchange magazine, um, um, a priest called Louis Vericcio, and he says, In this response at Holy Mass, we not only proclaim before God and one another that we are truly unworthy of the intimate union that is about to follow, we then also accept in faith that Jesus will respond to us just as he did to the centurion, as I has believed, so it be done to thee. So we're trusting when we say that, um, that God will respond like he did. And, you know, the servant was healed, wasn't he? And he responded to the centurion's request. He also goes on to say um, that the reason we say this every week at Holy Mass is because if we don't, we're in danger of losing the sacred mystery of what is about to happen. And I just, it just really confirmed to me this idea that we need to keep putting this before our eyes. This is the very core of our faith. We are not worthy. But we can come to God in utter, total, complete confidence because of who he is and because of what he has accomplished for us. And that informs every day, everything that we pray to him and everything that we do for him and everything that we do in our lives We've got God. He's with us. We can have that confidence. So, today is Father's Day. And we've all had different experiences, haven't we, of approaching our fathers, depending on what that father was like. But we all have the same Heavenly Father here today. And we can all approach him in exactly the same way. None of us are worthy to receive him or to ask anything of him or to pray to him or to come into his presence in worship. Just none of us, none of us, not even the really impressive looking people. None of us are worthy. Yet, every single one of us can come with boldness and utter confidence in who he is and what he has accomplished. And if you're not sure who he is, and what he has accomplished, then have a look. Look it up. Read the Gospels. Find out. Talk to someone. Find out more about who Jesus is so that you too can have that confidence, so that you can leap off the platform and enjoy the ride. Because that is the faith and the life that God wants you to live within him. I just want to finish with a quote from Timothy Keller because it just sums it up really nicely. I was listening to a podcast um, and he said this, you are more sinful than you ever dared believe, but you are more loved and accepted than you ever 
dared hope. Let's take the tr- let the truth of this revelation inform the way we approach our Heavenly Father today. Um, let it inform the way that we live our faith. Let's be completely humble in our view of ourselves, but utterly confident in who God is. And I just know that that is the message that God's got for us today because that is what he's been doing the whole service. And even John used those two words as he prayed, as we come before you humbly, but we are confident in you. And that is what we do. And that is what we do every single day. And that is how we go about trying to be everything that we want to be in him with this humility and this confidence. Not a confidence in ourselves, but a confidence in God. So check your harness. (laughs) Check the drop. But jump and go for it. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you reveal yourself to us through people and through stories and through life. You don't just give us a rule book and tell us how we should be, but you reveal yourself to us in experiences and in interactions. And I thank you, Lord, that each one of us is on a journey with you. And you are revealing yourself to us each and every day as we go forward with you. I pray that you will open our hearts to know this truth and have it at the very core of all that we do. That we are so unworthy, but you are so good. And we can put our confidence in that. Father, we celebrate you today on Father's Day. You are the ultimate perfect loving, loving Father, and we surrender ourselves to you. You are good. Amen.